Welcome to Midpoint, OCC's midweek podcast aimed at helping you connect with last week's message and prepare you for next week's sermon. Let's dive in. Welcome to Midpoint, your midweek connection to Orchards Community Church. My name is Forrest Jenkins, and joining me today is Pastor James Green. I made it. You made it. (laughs) Sermon title for uh, this Christmas playlist series for Advent 2023 uh, James entitled "Love Is Coming." That was this week, the Love Week. Yep. And a summary, uh, just short summary in this uh, the sermon carrying covering First John verse uh, chapter four, verses eight through ten. We learn about how and why God loves us and why we should live abundantly. Yeah. There was of course obviously much more to it than that, yeah. which we'll try to flesh out today. Yeah, but but getting the God is love and and how we should live because God is love. That's that's a good summary. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so James, in this series, you focused on the love of God and how we can demonstrate that in our own community here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also introduced some words that uh, <laughs> many folks might not be familiar with, so I'll ask you to talk about some of the words we read in the Bible that we do read in the Bible because mm-hmm. uh, they're there. Words like propitiation and substitutionary atonement and justification and sex sanctification, things like that. That yeah. we just we, today we don't talk like that. No, doesn't everybody talk like and, that? I yeah. <laughs> But it's important for the layperson to really understand what God's trying to say to us. Yeah, that's the biggest part of it, Forrest. And it's not so much that you're going to all of a sudden start you know, sprinkling these words in, <laughs> into your everyday conversation. But having an idea of what they mean is important. And and again, th- those are words... I mean, propitiation's a word you catch in Scripture, and because it's not a word that we understand... I know this is true sometimes even when we're just reading secular stuff, whatever, we get to a, a dollar word, we get to a word we don't understand, we just breeze by and keep going. That's probably not the wisest yeah. thing to do. And sometimes you'll catch you know, the, the meaning of stuff out of context, and I think that's what propitiation is. You, you cannot totally understand the word, you can not know how to pronounce it, but when you read it in context and see what it accomplishes, it's not so much that we can't grasp it. It truly is. It's the ability for God to appease his wrath over sin. But once you define it, then you start you start wrestling backwards. It's like you gotta reverse engineer what sure. it is. Right. And like, okay, well, God has wrath. Well, I always think of God as love or loving. Mm-hmm. And so what is his wrath? And we're like, well, he gets angry over sin. Well, we all sin. Why would he get angry over it? Because he's righteous. And, and and you start working backwards, and now you're spending a whole lot of time what right. which is great. Because I think truly talking about any of those words helps us understand just the theology of Jesus, the, the theology of the cross. Mm-hmm. Why, I mean, we, we, I love the Advent series every year when we do it, because even though we're trying to preach through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, we don't spend a lot of time week in, week out talking about why Jesus came and the fact that he's coming again. And so Advent gives us four weeks to hit that. Which yeah. is really important, and it's so, important stuff. Yeah, and like I said, and, and I, you know, we make the jokes all the time about what are you going to preach about for Christmas? Jesus, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> like well, we a, could talk, we could preach about mud people because <laughs> that did come up too. <laughs> we probably won't have a. It sermon was kind of fun dedicated to the mud people, and I hope I didn't hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> but I, but again, there's a phenomenal book, and I always think about it with the mud people, and, and I think uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, Norm Geisler and Frank Turk, they call them goo people, people who, who come out of goo. Um, but the title yeah. of the book is I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And, and it really is mm-hmm. true. To, mm-hmm. to, to believe the goo people theory takes more faith than I have. To believe that people are created in the image of God because he did you know, true, choose to make us that way, and we can love because he first loved us, Like that takes faith. 
but less faith than the mud people. <laughs> I, I would think so. I agree with that. So, yeah. So it, it's a good book and a good read if you if you want to wrestle through one like that. And it's it's written in a way that's easier to understand, although they will use words like propitiation. <laughs> so and, and understanding that. Uh, you mentioned substitutionary atonement. You mentioned justification. Th- those are sanctification. Th- those are words that's really important for us to kind of get big picture concepts for. And and it's not that they're that difficult. Substitutionary atonement and, and the Greek you know word hyper you know that that uh, is used translated most often really is just in the place of you know right. Jesus died in my place, and that's the part that we have to understand. It's not that God sent Jesus and He chose to go as as a you know just a, a big picture of hey this is how it's supposed to work. Jesus went as a sinless man to pay the penalty for my sin. That, that's what substitutionary atonement mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Now, practically, does that make us think about, oh my gosh, I never really thought about it being that personal? Well, that's fantastic if we start wrestling it down to the ground. But just understanding the concept isn't that hard. It becomes applying it. It becomes the practicality right. of it. Justification really is the same way. Justification is a, a courtroom <laughs> word that we use, I think, you know? And, and I've heard people um, try to, to break it down and make that an easier word to understand. And it's out of the spelling, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Mm-hmm. If I'm justified, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's kind of simple. It's not 100% accurate because the reality is we do sin. We, did. <laughs> we are, we did, we are sinful we people. We live in this sinful world. And, and so really the, the reality of justification is we are declared righteous because of Christ's actions on the cross. So even though we did sin because of Christ's shed blood, because of going to the cross with all the other things we talked about, propitiation, substitutionary atonement, because of that, God sees us through the Jesus lens. He sees us as he sees Christ. Yep. And that is mind-blowing. And that's much more than just as if I'd never sinned, because I can't, I'm not going to get that one here. So yep. it's how all those things work together. You mentioned sanctification. Again, that's a fun word to be able to understand. But but it's a word that you could define, and then, but then you have to spend a lifetime doing it. Sanctification is that process where I'm going to become more like Jesus. Of, yes. And in that, I mean, that's fan- And I had a great conversation with a guy after the service yesterday, and it was that idea of, you know, I got to die to myself today and tomorrow <laughs> and the day after that. And, and, and it doesn't count that I did a great job dying to myself today if I only did it once this week. It's this process of becoming more and more like Jesus, which it, the incredible thing is, and it's weird, you see this in the Apostle Paul's life, as you go through that process, sometimes the, the further you get down the road, the closer we are to being like Jesus. Mm-hmm. We almost feel more guilty that we're not more like <laughs> like Jesus. And I think that's what you see in Paul's life. He realized, hey, I'm not going to get there (laughs) here on this earth. And that's where he says things that are mind-boggling sometimes. It'd be better for me to go and and be with Jesus because he understands I'm going to still sin here. And and so we have to wrestle then with that tension that I talked about in the Bible. But but this is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to bottom line this well. If there are theological constructs, if there are terms that we don't understand, Let's not run from them, or let's not pretend, you know, that, that, and just speed by. Stop and wrestle with it a little bit. What mm-hmm. does that really mean for me? Yeah, figure and, it out. Yeah, and I think it's great to come ask questions to the pastors, ask questions of folks you know who who follow Christ in your life, and don't feel like, oh gosh, I, I'm not getting this because I don't know what that word is. Well, they're not words we <laughs> use all the time. I learned, I learned lots of cool words in seminary. I, I really enjoyed the study, but I, they're, they're words I haven't used 
a day <laughs> since I've left seminary. I mean, they just never come up, you right. know? But it gives you better understanding the it, Greek and it knowing does. some yeah, of the Hebrew. Th- those things are all true. They're, they're my favorite word that I learned in seminary was parachoresis. And and I've never used it again. But I mean, and it's it's the picture, it's the concept of how God exists as three in one, and and it really is the idea. And it's fun again because the origin of the word is that it's like it's a dance, and and God the mm-hmm. Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit kind of dance around together, mm-hmm. and and that's the way that they work. And you're like, well, I, I can talk about that, and I can understand that, and we can talk about the different roles or whatever, and I can do all that without ever uttering the word paratrice. <laughs> or, or trying to explain it yeah, to somebody to else. Yeah. And, and it really is. Hey, let's functionally think. And we did that great thing in the staff a month or so ago where we looked at the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and the roles yep. they had and the way they interact, and that they're all God but not one another. And, and those are great conversations to have. And you don't need to know a $15 seminary word <laughs> to be able no, to explain no. it. So. Well, and like we were talking about before we hit the record button here, um, I, I had some knowledge, you mm-hmm. know, when I was younger, uh, attending the Nazarene Church, yeah. and then I grew more when I attended Kennewick Presbyterian Church, and I sat on the elder board there. When I came to OCC, we was again on the, the, the missionary can- or the uh, ministry, ministry council here, and got involved in the pastor search, and mm-hmm. Scott Lawrence, fortunately, was very knowledgeable about mm-hmm. uh, guiding us as far as what does our church stand for, what do we actually believe, and uh, and then putting together the yeah. uh, the job description for who we're looking for, and mm-hmm. I learned a ton out yeah, of but that. I, but, but that's hugely important because, again, sometimes it's hard for us, we have this nebulous idea of, of what we're wanting to do as a church, and if we can't truly defend our faith statements, if we can't make those statements of, of explanation, then what are you going to end up with? What are you going to get? Right. You know? And and I've seen pastoral hires go go poorly that way because they don't do enough checking into what does this person believe about some of these things that are right. that are going to come up. Yeah. You know, what do you believe about women's role in ministry? What do you believe about same-sex attraction? You know, th- these kind of things. Like, you need to know where you stand because that's how you're going to lead yeah. <laughs> the church in that direction. So Sure. Yeah, yep. th- those are important things to talk about. Yep. And again, this is the whole idea of walking in Christ. It's not supposed to be a relationship on paper. It's supposed to be practical in my life. And that's the more important part. Always you don't have to forced, know the always, fancy yeah. words. No, it's just, you know, am I today going to die to myself so I can live for Christ? And that's going to look different for everybody, and so let's have that conversation. And it's a, sometimes it looks different every day, yeah. you know, depending on what's going on. But kind of what makes the whole thing hard. Yeah. I, I had a, a great lunch with a, a guy yesterday here from the church, and, and just, oh man, I could have sat and talked with him forever, because all we were talking about was practical theology. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's these things that are hard for me with my family. Here's these things that are hard for me because I moved across the state or across the country. Here's these things that are hard for me in my job. And it was, how do I bring God glory in this thing? And I, those are the conversations that are phenomenal because that's our lives. That's that's real stuff. Yeah. And I'm not trying to knock knowing what the scripture teaches so that we can sound good when we do a podcast or you know. But but, but those things lose their value unless we're applying them in our lives. Right. Period. So, and for us, yeah. showing people, teaching other folks yeah. how to do that, how Amen. to understand it. Yeah. Very very important role. Yep. Yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> All right. We do have a few questions. <laughs> well, good. That was a good uh, question. <laughs> we had a little gremlin in the suggestion box that dropped about a half a dozen cards in there and basically just said hi. <laughs> we, we Complimented pre- you on your yeah. sermon. Yeah, we appreciate the questions. Thanks for the compliments. That's nice. But keep sending those questions, yeah. and we love them. Yeah. 
one of the questions came up, uh, begins, uh, loving, compassion, gracious, kind, and merciful are all central descriptions of the ca- uh, character of God. Yeah. And I think that's in Nehemiah was the reference I saw in that. Um, so why do you think so many people see God as uncaring and unloving? Well, that's that's a great question, and you have to cherry pick stuff either out of the Bible, which you can do, or out of your life experience, and just say, well, in this instance, this doesn't seem loving. You know, I mean, in the world we live in now, and and war in Israel and Palestine, and and mm-hmm. the things that are going on over there, and and people talking about genocide, which is not something that's ever pleasant or fun to talk about, but because of the the ramifications of what you see, I mean, there are things for sure in the Old Testament, that you got to really wrestle with a little bit. Well, why would God wipe out a nation of people? Why would he want you? Right. And, and I mean, the reality is you can't just pretend that's not there. It's it's inspired in the canon of Scripture that we are supposed to then apply in our lives. And you do have to go, well, that doesn't appear loving. And you have to then point to the bigger picture of who God is and, and the desire that he has to save all people. Mm-hmm. And he knows all things because he's sovereign, and he knows that group of people is going to harass and threaten and, and point people away from God for the rest of history unless they're gone. And so he truly does work all things together mm-hmm. for good, as mm-hmm. it says in the New Testament. But that's easier to say. It, it's easier to quote Romans. Right. You know, God, God works all things together for good, even when we can't totally wrap our minds around it. Then look at him wiping out a nation of people, and and of course the funny well funny is not the right word to use there, but but the ironic part of that is often in the Old Testament when he does that he uses a, a just a slightly less wicked group of people to do it like neither the Sometimes, group yeah, yeah. neither the groups are real great folks yeah. you know and so God's got this and it always comes back to that I guess do we trust that God has this so so when you look at all the character attributes all the character qualities that make up God. And start trying to to almost individualize them or wrestle them to the ground. You know, well, God's omnipotent and God's omniscient, and, and God, you know, is gracious and, and merciful and kind mm-hmm. and love and just and righteous and mm-hmm. and the the I don't want to use the word trick, but that's the one that comes to mind. The, the trick is he's all those things all the time, and so how he balances that is godlike. It's, it's something that we can't do. Right. And this is where we struggle. And like I say, we just try and kind of break it down to, to being on our level. Well, I can be loving, so I must understand. No, I don't know how this works because I'm not love. Like I can be loving. I know that. But I really love people that I love much more than people that are not nice to me. Or, right. Or, you know, God loves everybody. Well, how do we balance that out? Well, we, we don't real well because we can be just, but justice is a weird thing for us because... Somebody does something that we don't like or illegal, and we want to write them off <laughs> forever. Yeah, on our own. Yeah. yeah. And God offers forgiveness to those people so much quicker than we do if we ever get around to it. So, so trying to balance all those things together really should give us a high view of God and recognize that he is above all things, and, mm-hmm. he, and he is sovereign. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we, and, and I guess this all comes back truly to our fallenness, our sinful nature anyway, we just go, well, God isn't really loving because he allows this. God doesn't really care about me because I went through this trial. And the trial may be exactly the thing God is using to draw you closer to himself because he's God and he's Mm -hmm. wise and he's smart and he gets that. But because we have to go through some hardship, what do we do immediately? Well, God doesn't care about me. And and that's a struggle. I mean, like, I get that that's a struggle. Scripture talks about that uh, in Hebrews where it talks about discipline. And, of course, anyone who's had children understands that. If If you don't love your kids, you won't discipline them. You let them do whatever. 
and they'll wind up <laughs> kind of the opposite in a very, very bad spot. Yeah. <laughs> if you do love your kids, you will discipline them because that's the way that you're helping prepare them, you yeah. know? And, and of course the author of Hebrews says, you know, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Well, no, of course it doesn't. But if you remember the rest of that, it says it yields a harvest of righteousness, right. which is what God has desired for us again anyway. And so it, I know it's hard to do, but if we would just say, I'm going to go into this realizing I'm not going to be able to do all this, and I'm not even going to be able to comprehend all this. So will I, when I talk about putting my faith in Christ for salvation, do I put my faith in Christ then for everything else and say, well, I don't understand this, but I trust but that God does. But do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, that's what leads to obedience. And, and dear goodness, I'm not saying I can summarize the entirety of the Bible, but I mean, it, the, the plan of salvation's point A for sure. But, but right behind that is just a pattern that you see throughout Scripture. When we're obedient, we're blessed. And when we're disobedient, there's consequences. That's, that's what I was thinking through this last five minutes, really, yeah. that and, and so, so for, for disobedience, there's consequences. And that's the picture. And, and again, if you've raised kids, if you've ever had to give consequences, you know you do that because it yields that harvest of righteousness. Not because it's so much fun to take the Xbox away from your kid, right. but because you're trying to help them grow to become the best version of themselves they can be, which is the one that God wants all along anyway. Right, right. <laughs> It's it's very big picture thinking, and and again we do get stuck in that trap. Well, I got to live this twenty four hours. I got to live today, and we sometimes fail to see the big picture. If we could pull back, if if we were able to have that, you know, they'll talk about hindsight being twenty twenty. If you could pull back and try and envision everything the way God sees it, you'll you'll start to see how pieces come together and how He's playing this out. Right. But that's really hard to do. I was. We have to trust that that, that is the case, yeah. and that's part of our belief statement, that we do trust, we do believe. Yeah. There's there's labels on the outside of stuff, you know, which is, is so funny in packaging, but I mean, I've always heard that. You can't really read the directions for the shampoo bottle from inside the bottle. And, and that's where we are in this life. Like, you know, <laughs> I can't read the ingredients from outside the... without my glasses. Yeah. But... Well, no, from the chemical concoction well, that's yeah, there I anyways. I can't pronounce those things. No. But I mean, the, the, the real clear instruction on the shampoo bottle is lather, rinse, repeat. I mean, that's it. You know, that's the whole deal. Yeah. But on the inside, we, we, we can't see that. And so we, we sometimes get bogged down. Well, that's our lives. We're, we're doing these things, and, and we might even know what we're supposed to do, but we get so caught up in doing it, and we're inside the bottle, that we forget to pull back and have that big-picture right. vision. Right. God always has the big-picture vision while still being intimately involved with us each and every step of the way. Yeah. And that should make smoke come out of our ears. That should just, you know, I'm not trying to use it as a cop-out, but I absolutely love the passage in Isaiah that just says, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are yeah. higher than our thoughts. Well, and that's, that's and what I'm I thinking. And if I trust in that, yeah. then I'm, I'm better off. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, he'll give us what we, what we need when we need it. And the other thing I'm thinking about is, you know the best way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. <laughs> And so we live one day at a time, yeah. not knowing with the full picture, but no. trusting that God does. Very good it, illustration. Know what it is, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. But, but like I said, I do get, it. And, and you know, my heart goes out to somebody who writes a question like that because I hope it's not something they are struggling with right now, the way they worded it. Why do we think so many people see God as caring, uncaring, and unloving? I, I know that it's true, and I hope it's not true for the person who wrote the question that they're seeing God that way. Because that's a pretty inaccurate way to see him, but I get how they got there. Yeah, so. yeah, and a lot of time that's a 
that's an unbeliever, I think, that saying that, yeah. that may oh, yeah. be the yeah. agnostic or the atheist it, type it person. It certainly that... is most of the time. Although, again, I mean, this is part of the deal, you know, and, and Job's such a great test case and an example in many areas and, and not in others. Like, Job never gave up his belief, but boy, he sure did struggle, you know, and, and, he, mm-hmm. and he admitted where he struggled. Mm-hmm. And so I, believers can struggle in this sometimes and just, you know, where are you, God? You know, is is a pretty popular question. I still believe you. I think you're up to something, but I don't understand how you're not bailing me out of this thing right now. You know, right? And that's the weird thing. Like I don't know where rock bottom is on some of those things, and God's waiting for us to to get rid of ourselves and and truly trust in Him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's even a little lower than where we think it is. Right. Right. And and a lot of this this conversation seems to lead into the next question about mm-hmm. uh, why is it so important to understand the nature of God, which is yeah. Really, what we're talking about, but yeah. if we don't, if if we don't learn that, we don't study the Word of God. How are we going to learn the nature? Yeah. But why is that so important for us to understand the nature well, of God? I, I thought that was a neat question. In light, you know, I touched on the Philippians passage, which is one of the most complex theologically in all of Scripture. Is this notion of of God lowering Himself, and it says that Jesus emptied Himself to become like a man. Now, again, mm-hmm. he's not going to be completely like us because of the deity, but in that, he did. The little baby Jesus, you know, I was, there, there's a, I can't remember which Christmas song it is, but it's so theologically wrong, you know, <laughs> and some of them are funny. <laughs> Rudolph, <but>. Santa Claus. <laughs> Aside from those, no, this is one we sing in church. I can't remember which one it is, but, but um, it'll come to me if I sing it, but I ain't going to sing in front of everybody. <laughs> Um, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, which, whichever one that is that has in there. Well, give away me a break. Away in the manger? Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, that's it. That, uh, away in the manger. But, but that's the line in there, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I'm like, well, that's silly. You must put that in there because it rhymes. Because right. He's a baby. He probably he's a cried. baby. I guarantee he showed and it was crying. Cold. Yeah. <laughs> and so in that, you know, we, we again construct these weird pictures of who Jesus must have been. Like he walked around and every you know, time he was up to bat in Little League, he hit a home run. You know, like <laughs> Jesus was putting on this flesh carton and walking around, and, and he did have to eat. And he did probably burp and make bad noises. And, mm-hmm. do, you know, he, and he did need to rest. And, and those are the things that that's the part where he emptied himself. He lowered himself. He didn't give up his deity. He assumed the humanity. And how those things work together, that is really important for us to kind of wrestle to the ground. Mm-hmm. Not because it's ever going to happen for us. It doesn't work that way. We're going to go to eternity, get brand new bodies. That's, that's fantastic. But here on earth, what did that look like for Jesus? And again, do we understand why? Because it is, and that's full circle to what we're talking about with the, the advent of love. It's not just that God is love. That part is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But God is love, and he sent the mission part, the action part, Jesus to come and then model, here's how you're supposed to live, knowing that God is love. Here's how you're supposed to do this day in and day out. And And then we get to do it. That is the trickiest part of the whole deal. But but again, there's also that's the beauty of the whole deal. But that's why we're here. Yeah. We're here to for our to benefit us, to glorify God, to benefit yes. us, to benefit our fellow man. Well, and that's the thing that I've said, and and I'm having that great conversation with that guy at lunch yesterday because he he brought it up, which was so funny. But it's something that I've said a zillion times. After you profess faith, we don't go to heaven right away. <laughs> like we don't say the prayer and whoosh, you know, we're whisked <laughs> up to heaven. And it has happened, Enoch and Elijah, sure. and, and maybe even Stephen and the stoning. But but with that, that's not the norm. Like that right. doesn't typically happen. Right. What happens? We profess faith. And God leaves us here. 
And this is what we talk about all the time as a church, to make disciples who make disciples. Mm -hmm. We are now tasked with being ambassadors. We're tasked with being evangelists. That's why God leaves us here. And he he knows, again, because he's sovereign, he's not leaving us in the greatest spot. (laughs) This world has fallen. Satan's the prince of the world. We're going to have to Mm -hmm. fight and wrestle with all these things. And that's why we get passages in Scripture like James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials. That's why we get Romans 5. You, know, you have all these things because it develops hope in you. It develops character. Right. And hope does not disappoint. We walk through these trials with Jesus because that's going to help us become more like Jesus, which, again, comes full circle. This is the deal. Would, would it be much easier? Would I like it? Uh, I don't even know if that's the right way. Would I like it if I'd immediately gone up to heaven? If there were no trials? Well, yeah, that that sounds easier. Yeah. But that's not that's not the way. Like the 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 Bible clearly teaches us all along. That's not the way. We stay to be ambassadors. We stay to be missionaries. Yeah. And man, I'm gonna be a better missionary if I'm more like Jesus and less like me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Guaranteed. But part of part of Really figuring that out is is doing it. Yeah. It's not just about Bible biblical literacy no. or knowing what's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's it's really more about boots on the ground, going well, out and doing it. And, and again, I'm not trying to to backhand you know the church where God had me on staff before, but but that was one of the things where I really struggled and and ultimately probably kind of led to God moving me away from there. Uh, but you, you hear that old phrase, you know that that guy is so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. If all we do is study, if all we do is read God's Word, and we mm-hmm. know it up and down, left and right, in and out, and we never share it with anybody, and we never go out and, and model how we struggle in trials and how we trust in the Lord, it's like all we do is sit around and talk about paratheresis and <laughs> propitiation, right, right. we're not doing it right. We're just not. <laughs> What's the uh, the one verse that says, uh, um, if I'm not loving, I'm yeah. just the sound First of a Christian gown. 13, gong. Yeah, the, the gong, the clanging cymbal. Yeah. If we do all those things and have not love, and, and again, that's the challenge in that. And it's a big challenge I see today because, again, it's not that I believe the world is any worse off than it has been. I mean, you know, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest guy ever, says there's nothing new under the sun. The, yep. the sins we struggle with today, we struggle with because everybody's struggled with them. We just have the internet now. Forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> you just hear about them sooner. You know? More toys. Yeah, and, and so more opportunities to fall into sin, but it's right. the same stuff. But but in that, seriously, the, the question is always, am I going to die to myself to choose to live for him? And I've got to practice that. Like, yeah. that's not going to come. Uh, my sanctification is not going to come by how many times I read the Bible. Reading the Bible, please don't hear what I'm not saying. Reading the Bible hugely important because it gives us the guide. Yes. But then we have to go out and engage. We have to do it. Right. right. And that's the important part. That way it's um that that's part of uh not just pulling from our own resource. Yeah. Um, where well, does that love come from? Does it come from us, from man and mm-hmm. our humanness, or does it, the love come from God? Yeah. You talked a little bit about that. Yeah, so. we, we have to recognize where the love comes from. And, and again, those are the kind of things. I, I'm not trying to, to bag anybody on that. I, I do know that it is um, easier. It's just easier. Uh, it, it, would we rather have a great Bible study on how to evangelize, or would we rather go out and share the gospel? And a lot of people go, man, I'll go to that Bible study. Like, it'd be great to hear about how we're supposed to do that. But I don't want to go, right. <laughs> go to it Don't want to do it. Yeah. And, and that's the disconnect. That's just the fallenness part of us. I, I, again, please hear me on this. I'm not saying we shouldn't be good students of the Bible. I'm not saying we shouldn't wrestle with theology. Mm-hmm. If we wrestle so that we can win on Bible Jeopardy night and we never go out and share the gospel, we are not doing it right. Right. Period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. 
There's a lot to that too. <laughs> yes. That's for a different different day. <laughs> we'll come back and hit that one another time. We'll circle back. So looking ahead, yes, this coming Sunday, uh, the sermon's going to look a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, because I'm getting ready to so, preach it in about two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what, if you want, yeah, if you want to keep no, it a surprise, no, that's, that's fine that's too. Not a big deal. And I alluded to it from the stage this past week. I'm having my knee surgery tomorrow. So I'm preaching the the final message of the Christmas playlist series, the Advent of Joy, here in a couple hours, mm-hmm. standing up on the stage, and it will be broadcast on Sunday on the big screen. And so that's unique for us. We've never done that before. Um, lots of people praying for me, and I really appreciate that. Some folks have asked, you know, I could have had somebody from staff step in and and preach live, and it would have been fine. And we, mm-hmm. and we are so blessed with and the staff we you have. You had some willing folks, and, and I had yeah, a couple guys, guys to do that. offer to do it. But but those are guys who truly already have a lot on their plate during the Christmas season anyway, and that's a big ask to ask them to come in and do that, and I, and I want them to be so true to the things you know that are, that are already on their plate and not steal from their family time and stuff. So uh, with that, we're going to do the video message. We've never done it before. I think we can get by with it one time and we'll be okay. To say we've never done it before, that's incorrect, because during COVID, we ended up a, a couple times you know, kind of working through that way but never where we've had everybody come into the church. Right. And for that, I just want to encourage people, even folks who are listening now, to still come into the church. Even though the the main teaching is video, everything else is live. Still going to have live worship, band, and, and everything and gonna, else, and all the folks are going to be here. Yeah, that, yep. that, that to me. And, and again, the live worship, that part, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. But as a church that sees the value and the importance of being relationally connected... I think it's super important to come in and be relationally connected. <laughs> right. It's good to be with and, each other. And that's what I was going to share this yeah. uh, the last few Sundays. Of course, we're coming into Christmas season, yeah, and, yeah. and attendance actually is starting to bump up a little bit yeah. more. But it is so exciting to see some of the younger families oh, come gosh, in. Yeah, yeah. Uh Older families too, couples, you know, empty nesters are coming in. And uh, what I continually hear uh, repeatedly every Sunday is... I come on, uh, it's my family. You guys yeah. are my family. I feel like I know you already. Um, That's really don't want to really to toot our own horn that no, way. No, but, but if you're if you're staying at home watching online, mm-hmm. you're missing the community missing part, sense. Yeah. The, and there the is a sense. I know there are people because of health stuff or because of whatever. I mean, like yeah. there's, there's, sometimes you're traveling. And that's legit. We've got a dear friend, you and I both, who watches when he's out of town, visiting home. I sure. mean, yeah. That's what it's there for. We, we understand that. Um, it's just a neat thing. And again, I, I appreciate you saying that. We're not trying to just slap ourselves on the back, but I do think it's a, a testimony to the fact that we're trying to do this right. We're trying to, yep. to be the church God wants us to be. And I, I got one of the neatest compliments uh, from a guy who's brand new uh, to the church, had been a couple weeks in a row, and I ran into him in, in, in the community. And he said, your church felt really vibrant. And he said, because there were older people, they were middle-aged people, yeah. they were young yeah, people, there they is. were babies. You know. And I was like, well, that is just a really neat thing to hear because that then to me looks like the world. You know, I mean, yes. we're, we're not super racially diverse here in the Valley, but we are from a demographic standpoint. We've got folks in all those different age categories. Right. And if we want to look like the church, we have to have people from, <laughs> from all those right. different categories. And right. so, so that was a neat thing to see. And, and, you know, some of the change with having everybody in the worship service to worship musically together and then dismissing 
goodness, I've had so many people talk about how neat that is to see the number of youngsters. Yeah, really. And, and that part is really, really encouraging. So God's doing good stuff. God is good, period. But but he's doing neat stuff because I think we are trying to be obedient to be in the kind of when church we, he wants us to we're be. we're really sincerely yeah. trying to stay in the will of God yes. and guide this church as he would yeah. have us do. I, I feel like the purpose and the mission and the vision he's given us is really clear, and I don't think we need to change it. So let's embrace it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, If we're exactly. supposed to be about relational connection, let's be about it. If we're supposed to be about making disciples, let's be about it. If we're supposed to join yep. him because that's where he gets the glory, let's do that. And so our whole deal is let's work through those four chairs. Let's figure out how we're we're actually engaged in that way. And, and that's what I just see more and more of. So all that to be said, you're going to watch Flat James this week. I'll be, <laughs> be on the screen. On the screen. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, and, and maybe, I mean, depending on how I feel, uh, I might try to come over but I just don't know, you know, how I'll be feeling. Uh, it'd be fun to sit out in the crowd and watch myself <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> that, that'd that'd have to be amusing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just thinking in my head that sounds like fun. So, but maybe I'll make it. Maybe I won't. But I do want everybody to come and and continue to be the church together. And it's so like I say, we'll wind up with the advent of joy. Joy is a neat thing to talk about. And and really, in the way that God has kind of got me to to wrap up the series. It's not like I put a big bow on it. It's mm-hmm. leading to Christmas Eve morning where yes. we'll talk about Jesus. Because again, this is where all of this is pointing. That's where it should Love is always... coming. Joy is coming. Hope is coming. Peace is coming because Jesus came that first time and because he's coming again. So, right. so we'll talk about Jesus a bunch Christmas morning. And then for the Christmas Eve, we always try to kind of incorporate talking about Jesus being the light of the world because we do the candlelight thing, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. So yep. excited we'll about that as well. So. Yep. Hope folks will choose, you know, come to either the 9 or the 1030 on Christmas Eve morning and then come to either the 4 or the 6. I know there's more spaces available in the 6 right now, and, mm-hmm. and so that's great. And so we hope to see you twice yep. on Christmas Eve. <laughs> and no services on Christmas Day. No so services on Christmas that, Day everybody. on that Monday. We, we won't do Monday uh, Christmas Day services or New Year's Day the next uh, next week as well. So we take a break for that to give volunteers and, and folks a, a little break, and those are actually on the holiday days this year. So mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll miss the Monday night, and we always miss our Monday night crowd, and we'll jump back in with them the beginning of the new year and excited about that too. Good, good. Yep. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's Midpoint. If any of you would like to send in questions or thoughts into the show... Please, please send the questions. Please email <laughs> or text or even call us or just mention it to us. Yeah. You know, hey, what about this thing that I heard? Yeah. Uh, let us know. Uh, the uh, email address that you can send in comments or questions is occpodcast at lewistonocc.org. And be sure to join us in service at Sunday at 9 o'clock and 10.30 a.m., as well as Monday night at 7 o'clock. We have got more and more people coming Monday night, and it's a, it's a serving a need in the community. So yeah, we yeah, welcome yeah. more to that. We'll, we'll, we'll suspend that, not this week, but the next, with the, the next. Christmas Eve and New Year's. But, but that's our regular service, and we do. That, that Monday night service is becoming just a, a real joy. Yep, yep, for sure. So hope to see you all soon. Be well, and know that you are loved by God and Orchard's Community Church. Amen. Love you guys. You bet.